Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Performance Through Health podcast and it's actually a pleasure for me to uh, to bring uh, Brendan uh, Foley onto the show today. So Brendan is a strength and conditioning coach and a holistic health coach and has a, a business booth coaching. So Brendan, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you for having me. It's going to be, yeah, some time. Yeah, good, good. Um, I know you have got a bit of a, a crook, crook chest at the moment, so... We'll, we'll be okay. We'll be good. Yeah, I've set my intention. Good man, good man. Brendan, um, I have been to, uh, we've, we've caught up a few times. We actually uh, resonate with a similar message on Instagram and social media to begin with. A lot about uh, how stress in the world today is is you know affecting people's health. And me being a sleep scientist, uh, people undersleeping is essentially just overstress. Uh, and then I went to your workshop a couple of weeks back and, uh, and I had a real awesome time. So I really wanted to just bring you on here and to talk to you about your message and and, uh, and you know, what you do and, and your approach to improving people's health. But before we delve into that, um, we'll probably just dig into a bit of, a, of, of your journey if, if you're okay. So what, if, if that's all right with you, we'll, uh, yeah, that's good. we'll so, uh, dig into uh, what brings you into health and fitness. Um, do you want the short version the true version. The true version. We speak truth. Yeah, so I've always been health conscious my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. So I think I picked that up from my father from very early on. So as far as I can remember, my dad always ran, always did push-ups, was always doing something. So yeah. as a young kid, I couldn't go out with him. Yeah. Then eventually I could go out and I could um, you know, ride my bike when dad went for a run. He used to get quite frustrated. Yeah. Then eventually I could keep up. <laughs> then I got off the bike and started running. And then by before I turned 11, I could beat him. Yeah. yeah. So wow. Always okay. sort of been the, the background, sort of yeah. ticking along. So I've always had that interest all the way through. I did, did quite well with most things. BMX, um, playing rugby, martial arts. So it's always been sort of a cornerstone. If we want to go a little bit deeper, it will bring up some stuff. It's been a major distraction for me not to look within for large periods of my life. Yeah. So it's been a double-edged sword quite often. Yeah. Um, but it's always been in the background. Health's always been one of my top priorities. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the environment's always been a big driver for me as well. So be able to make an impact in the world without having a huge environmental impact. Yeah. Yeah, so the two lined up. I like science. And then just over the years, things just lined up that exercise science. Awesome. So after I couldn't become an all black because I was too, am I allowed to say the word chip? Yeah, well, yeah. you said a word you want to say on here. You, <laughs> so, be, you be you, Brandon. Okay, so I was just, I just wasn't good enough. Okay. Yeah, and then I thought, okay, I've got a love for exercise and science. What can I do? So I went down the exercise science path to become a strength and conditioning coach to work with the all blacks and yeah. life unfolded. Yeah, okay. The, the path didn't align in the end. Cool. Before we delve into why the path didn't align, I want to just delve into what it's like to be a rugby player in uh, in, in New Zealand. Um, obviously, myself being a, a bit of a rugby player, um, I got injured very early. I was just like you, probably wasn't good enough to be be pro, or probably didn't have the mindset or believe in myself enough to be the pro more more than anything. Yeah. I was physical enough, definitely fast enough. But what's it like growing up in a country where it's pretty much a religion to play to play rugby? Yeah, when you're in it, you don't really notice that much because it's just a part of what you grow up in. But, you know, there's a chance, there's a period of time that you'll probably find between the age of five and 17 that I probably had a rugby ball. Either it wasn't in my hand, it was in my bag. Yeah, okay. Um, I was quite good, so I played quite well. Yeah. Um, Sort of 
held myself back at, at the final end of sort of high school sort of thing, but it's just a major passion. Love it. I'm still, as a 48-year-old man who hasn't played in, <laughs> you know, well over 25 years now, I'm still too heavily invested in that the All Blacks don't do well. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, look, it's, it's just a, it's a major part of my life. Even though I'm not going down that pathway mm-hmm. now, it's one of my major passions. It's something I connect with. Um, I just love every part of it. You know, the strength, the skill, you know, the subtleties, <laughs> yeah. know, the life lessons that you learn from it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And so, let's just delve a little bit into, and this might be completely off off topic for for something. But obviously, being a, a rugby player, going moving into into uh, being a coach now, what sort of stuff would it, or what would you look at in an individual to in terms of a coach to become a better rugby player? So can you just reframe that question? So you're asking me what would I... Yeah, if you were a coach and to look back on yourself as a junior and say what would you change that would set you on the right path? Mindset. Mindset? Yeah, okay. Mindset. The understanding of the power, I'm sure you're aware of the the Kaizen principle. No, I'm not actually diving into that. So the Kaizen principle is continuous improvement. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So sometimes people base it around 1%. Yeah, the 1% improvement. rule. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, so that was a principle that I didn't truly understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I wasn't very, very good at something straight away, it obviously wasn't for me, and I went elsewhere. Okay. Not understanding, if I just try to improve that little 1%, yeah. 1%, how that, you know, we had the balance of justice, those balance of scales, yeah. you know what I mean? How you'll get to that critical point where that 1%, 1% feels nothing, it sort yeah. of accelerates through. Awesome. Yeah, so I think that mind, that mindset and, you know, understanding work, yeah. building up the continuous improvement yeah. and, you know, understanding that your weakness is actually your greatest teacher. I was very fearful of my weaknesses and I tried to hid them quite a lot throughout the time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't open to exploring them, not understanding that that was where my biggest growth as a player, Yeah. You know, not as just also as a person, which we might go to later on, but how that would, would unfold out. And now I've, I've obviously heard some of your journey. You've been very vulnerable and open with um, the reasons to why that is. Uh, and that's, that's to do with, ha- with, your, with your father wanting to be, you to be the best. He was quite, quite disciplined, wasn't he? Oh, he uh, so uh, I'm not going to say he was quite disciplined. That, that's not the case at all. Okay. Yeah, but it was yeah. nearly the opposite way. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. he sort of nearly let me do anything I wanted whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, but he was always focused in our communications on um, where you could have done better. Yeah. Okay, so is it, would you say that's come from a position, like, you know, you've obviously got a uh, Carol Dweck's mindset and you've yeah. got like that growth mindset would you say it's derived from that's like okay well you you know you've achieved something but how you can be better like that or would would you would you say the approach wasn't similar to that uh so (laughs) let's let's put it this way yeah i watch play a game of rugby back in the day yeah yeah i'll score four tries yeah yeah but at one stage i decided to run from the 22 instead of kicking safely for touch yeah yeah and what the fuck did you you know okay okay yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? That was the yeah. wrong thing to do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that sort of style of thing. You know, whatever task you did that wasn't finished right, that wasn't done right. Yeah. So I just withdrew. Yeah. So me and my father spent very little time together. So even as a yeah. young kid at the at primary school age, mm-hmm. 11 or 12, I could stay at a friend's place at the weekend. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I could just go and stay there. 
they didn't have to ask dad. Yeah, okay. I could just yeah. Leave school yeah. on Friday night and wake up on Monday. Yeah. But that's uh, definitely, well, it's obviously brought some good attributes to yourself. Has that brought out some independence, would you say? Possibly, yeah. But it's also had a double edged sword for me. So, I mean, what, it, what I found for myself, and I don't attribute anything to, to one single thing. Okay. But over a period of time and, and over the journey, I just I really learned how to distance myself from everyone. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So Fair enough. It's more led, led to that. So, that's led to that. Yeah. yeah. So, for, once we understand this concept, everything that we do in life, yeah. there's always a dark and a light side to it. Okay. And everything we repetitively do, regardless of what the dark side is, we get more benefit out of it in this moment yep. for doing it than for not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where sometimes the concept of behavior change can become quite hard because people now have to give up their crux, their only one thing. So for me, what drove me to get into certain areas was focusing on where I kept falling down. So look, so looking at those weaknesses, looking at those um, uh, cycles that you're in, where you're pulling yourself back into, a, I guess, a position where you don't want to, you know, perhaps don't want to be in, and and how 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 you can make changes there. So that's the positive concept that I have today. Yes. Yeah, but for a large period of time, I was I wasn't good enough. I had to get better. Okay. Yeah. So yep. I had to be the best. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If, yep. If I, you know, if someone beat me in a test, I felt like shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't good so it's win or lose. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm in the top five percent. It's like no. it's it's either I, I'm the best or I'm not the best. Yeah. How would you go about changing that mindset? Uh, you don't for a while. Yeah. But I I didn't. Okay. So and do you mind sharing about why? Yeah. So to cap back a little bit on my story, I went through a few little things. You know, my father had been shot. Yeah. So my father was shot. Oh, wow. When I was quite young. So experiencing that, my mum left at a very early age and took my brother and, and left me behind. Um, then I had a partner who ended up having cardiac heart condition. Mm. Um, I saved her a couple of times doing CPR, then she passed away. Um, during all that period of time, because my skill set was being so alone and so focused on why I wasn't good enough, it all combinated and you know, I just didn't want like how I was so yeah. I found a way of distracting myself yeah yeah, and that was the drugs and alcohol so I yeah. was a 20 year drug addict okay I've been clean for about 6 years now since 2013 um, but it nearly took my life on a couple of occasions really yeah and cost me everything divorce all my friends so it cost me pretty much everything so yeah, I went wow. into injecting um, opiates and ice that's how I finished up yeah it started out as a bit of cocaine at a party yeah okay that was quite nice really yeah but for a lot of us with vulnerability issues and disconnection issues, it instantly gives us something. And that was a path that I didn't understand that was unfolding at the time. Yeah. So the way that I got around my mindset is 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. When what currently was working for me, remember those drugs had a light side at one stage. Yeah. Eventually that light side wasn't there anymore. Okay. The light side, no, it was there. It wasn't yeah, yeah. that strong. Yeah. So you're having to reach further and further and further into more to try and find that light side. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So and the dark side just become too strong. So yeah. I was forced to create change. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting because uh, probably about three or four months ago, I had a guy over, um, a friend of a friend over to come and chat to me, and you know, he, I didn't really know the guy, but he come in and he'd. Uh, he goes, look, I need someone just to talk to, just to talk to him through some sense. And he goes, look, I've 
I've got onto ice and I don't know how I've managed to get onto it, but uh, he'd previously had, had a problem when he was about 17, 18 with it. Just back onto it now, lost his job, lost you know, f- losing everything. And he was saying exactly what you're saying. He goes, this is, there's a dark side in me. And there's this whole, uh, he goes, it's almost like it, it, it wants to take over, but I keep suppressing it. And I have to go to the drugs to do that, to suppress it. And I've had experiences where I've, I've been um, under the influence of maybe psychedelics and stuff like that. And I see a light and a dark side, or I can feel it as such. So there definitely is within our psyche. And you know, Jung talks about the, uh, uh, you've got the, the animus and the anima projection that we have within our brains and you've got the masculine and the feminine energy so really it's crazy that you've nailed that on that on the spot that there's that darkness and the light side and so what advice would you give if you wouldn't mind looking back um for anyone in a situation like that what, what would you say is the best thing to do so one of the best things for most people to do is you know, the easiest way to look at it is you can't create change in anyone unless they're ready for change themselves. Yeah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you can't really give any information and then someone go, hey, I'm going to go talk to Johnny because mm-hmm. he needs this help. Yeah? yeah? When Johnny wants help, yeah, help will come. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the person who said, I think it was a guy that wrote The Secret or whatever, but said, when, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm a huge believer that nearly... Anything will work to get you to the end goal if you have that connection to wanting to get to the end goal. That intention is there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for most people, I'm going to try to make it easy, but I'm not going to. Yeah, talk, talk you. Okay, so this is the way that it, it pretty much works. Okay. okay, there is going to be a trapped emotion mm-hmm. in that body, and we're not going to want to be able to process it. Okay. okay, let's just say that ability to process that trapped emotion is the fulcrum on the seesaw that's called vulnerability. Yeah. And that pops us up. So on one side of vulnerability, we got shame, fear, guilt, yeah, not being worthy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. On the other side, we've got joy, happiness, you know, creativity, passion. Yeah. Yeah. If you take out the fulcrum, the whole seesaw is fucked. It's not going to go up or down. Yeah, so when people start to have a fear, to not have that vulnerability to lean into that shame, fear, guilt, mm-hmm. not being enough, yeah, when that fulcrum is removed, it actually then numbs the ability to feel passion, joy. Yeah, okay. Yeah? Yeah. Then when people start to go through stuff, what they look at, we have a look at a system, okay? So at the bottom of, of our system is our physiology. Yep. Yeah, and our emotions and our everything will be trapped in there. Yeah, we vibrate at certain frequencies. We have cellular memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we have a physiological pattern. On top of that, we've got our emotions. Mm-hmm. And emotions is just energy in motion. Yep, okay. Energy in motion. Yeah. Yeah, energy in motion is completely fine. Trapped energy isn't. Okay. Is that yeah. because it's trying, it wants to get out, but if it you're suppressing it? So it becomes trapped. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it will start to create that energy field. Okay. okay. Yeah. And we don't like how that feels. So we numb it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we can numb it with drugs, distraction, alcohol, trying to be extraordinary, trying to be busy, going to work out excessively, etc., yeah. etc., et watching Netflix, eating, yeah. with using food. So a lot of us end up numbing distract yeah. energy. 
the motions are fine. Yeah. They've just said process things here. It's the only way it will pass. Yeah. <clears throat> so then on top of that emotion, then obviously we have our thoughts. And then our thoughts go into our um, feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then that's how we, you know what I mean? Then we sort of start to go into our actions. Yeah. Okay. And that's the, I've been reading, just finished Joe, Joe Dispenza's yes. work and the Joe Dispenza talks a lot about that. And it took me a little while to get my, my head around, but these whole energy fields, you know, they're, they're now detecting the electromagnetic, electromagnetic fields that we have. And I think it's like when you're in that fear and you're suppressing those energy, it's almost like you're, you're pulling energy, uh, no, you're, you're, you're constantly extracting energy out your body away, so you're losing energy. And when you're in that gratitude and that love, it's almost like you're pulling the energy in, so you've, you know, you're full with energy and you're vitalized. Yes. What is the, uh, the negative impact on the body of, 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 of having uh, suppressed them for so long? What sort of impact is that going to have? So that's, it's very wide. It's going to end up in ill health. Yeah. Okay, that's how it's going to manifest itself okay now everyone has their own genetic envelope yeah okay so the way you process stress yeah yeah now i know a little bit about what happened to you at one stage can i mention that today yeah 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 so you had a stressful moment and mm -hmm. you got um shingles or eczema yeah 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 yeah, yeah. psoriasis yeah you got yeah, psoriasis yeah. okay yeah. so that's the way that that stress that, yeah. that trapped emotion that energy that was going through presented in you mm. okay to me Stress presents in muscular breakdown a lot more. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because obviously stress is associated with cortisol. Yeah. Cortisol is the breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. So that breakdown can also lead to leaky gut. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you look at your intestine, you know, the, the you know, we're only one cell thick, mm -hmm. and you have long-term exposure to cortisol, then we get leaky gut. Now we get adult onset um, food food allergies, food yeah, intolerances. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We can get anything that's going to drive because that's going to drive inflammation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, inflammation can also drive stress into the nervous system, and it can lead to depression. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, are you going to end up with type two diabetes? Are you going to end up with a cancer? Are you going to end up with psoriasis? Are you going to end up with a lot of muscular breakdown and blowing out your disc? It's all just a manifestation of how your body is going to process that trapped yeah. emotion. Yeah. So for a lot of us, it's understanding that underlying cause. Yeah. And to create lasting change is to build these steps. We okay. can't really miss one out. Yeah. And what, do you mind going through the steps? Yeah. So the steps are in no particular order. So um, for most of us to create a behavior change. Okay. So by the, some of the stats show that by the age of 35, 95% of all that we're going to do is a habit. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that's a survival mechanism for a human to be able to stay alive because ideally we were evolving through a period of time where food was the hardest thing to come by. Mm -hmm. So habits require less energy. Yeah, yeah so of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. we habitually do yeah. is more conducive yeah. to staying alive. You have to think about it less. It's, yeah. it's ingrained in your nervous system. It almost yeah. becomes autonomic. Yeah. What okay. is an autonomic, yeah. Yeah, okay. So when we start to do something new, it now becomes a stress. Okay, yeah. Okay, now we go that deeper little part, our habits are a reflection of what we believe about ourselves. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, so if we look at the steps and the layers, okay, I'm not going to give you a system just yet, I'm just going to show you at the bottom is our physiology. Mm -hmm. Okay, now with my upbringing and what I've seen, and similar to a lot of people with PTSD, mm -hmm. yeah, all those things that we have gone through lives in our physiology, and the physiology is triggered off very, very quickly. 
So addressing physiology is important. Yeah. Yeah. Addressing your emotion. Yeah. Okay. That's becoming vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Listening to what's going on in your body and processing it, allowing it to let go. Yeah. Okay. Not trapping it and yeah. holding it in that whole entire time. Yeah. Yeah. So processing that stuff out. Okay. Um, then we get into the mental aspect. Yeah. This is like our thinking and our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we get into the doing behavior. Yeah. Okay. So where do most people focus? Trying, trying to talk at the very top. They go to the do. Yeah. On top of that, though, now is spirituality. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So when someone wants to go through a behavior change, they need to be supported in each one of those steps, depending on what or if all levels of step they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for someone like myself, where I've had a massive block for a large number of years, is I was too scared to deal with the trauma of the past. Yeah. Because it led to such dark things. Well, you have to relive it, right? Yes. Yeah. Or release it. Yeah. And there's a fear that. So there's a fear in most of us that I can't handle that. Yeah. So I'll drink it away. Yeah. I can't handle that. I'll eat chocolate and watch Netflix. Yeah. I can't handle that. I'm going to strive to be extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, if my life isn't extraordinary, I'm a piece of shit. Running away from the pain. Yeah. Finding but where pleasure. joy actually comes from is that real process of finding the joy in, in the everyday. Mm. And Brene Brown talks about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the general search to be extraordinary, and if you're not extraordinary, your life is meaningless, creates so much trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And to be truly joyful. When you look at the happiest cultures in the world, they don't have much. Mm. It's happy in the moment. Yeah. And to be happy in the moment, you've got to be happy with the ordinary. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people don't. So we've got our physiology. We've got releasing tracked emotions that can't be coming coming back up. So yeah. if you've got a tracked emotion that you're not worthy enough, yeah. that you've got shame and guilt about what you've done in the past, yeah, that is always going to have that energy field and that feeling associated with it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to make that go away. And you'll do it with whatever behavior. If you yeah. just try to change the behavior, back to that loop again yes. yeah you're just going to yeah. stuck in that loop without without removing that or releasing that emotion you're yes. just going to become trapped by it because you, it becomes your destiny yes yeah yeah now then we've got how how we're thinking because our thinking will drive everything okay yeah so if you go back to dr joe dispenser's work 60 to seventy thousand thoughts a day wow 95 percent of them are the same as yesterday wow yeah and our thoughts yeah so we go thoughts drive our emotions our emotions drive our feeling our feeling drives our thinking our thinking drives what we do and then that sort of drives and we will keep coming back around Mm -hmm. stuck in that little circle and these are the steps that we sort of go through so we've got our physiology we've got our trapped emotion Mm -hmm. yeah then we go into our thinking okay yeah so now we've got to think right to act right yeah okay then we have to act right yeah yeah, and then the top part, spirituality. So spirituality to me is um, the understanding that I'm a part of the universe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that all energy isn't created and destroyed. It yeah. just is continuously changing. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a part of the universe, the universe is full of love, joy, inspiration. Mm-hmm. And it's got an opportunity there to be my teacher. It's the growth mindset. Yeah. Okay. That means things happen for me, not to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And once we connect that we're a part of the universe and the universe is there to nurture us to be the best version of ourselves and the lessons that we get are what we need to get at that period of time mm. to become that better version of ourselves. And the miracle of life is perception change. I think that's one of the biggest things that I personally have taken to. Looking at um, when I first got to Australia, a lot of shit happened. And I was in that victim mindset. I was like, why is this happening to me? Rather than looking at it and going, what is happening and how can I use that? And it wasn't until I started to hang around with people who had that kind of mindset that I started to be able to pull the lessons out of what I was being taught by the pain and be grateful for that. And that changed. Like When I learned that, it was almost like instantaneous. It was almost like yeah. there's another side. It's going back to that light side, seeing that lightness in the darkness and being able to discover and pull that out to then to, to I guess, change, like you say, change your whole perception. Yeah. For some people, it's going to be a life journey to, to be able to do that stuff. And you say you t- maybe it took you 20 years or so to... Maybe. I'm still on that journey now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sure the journey will keep evolving and as, as the, my evolution comes through, then, then things will come through as well. Yeah. But, so that's what I just believe in the layers. Yeah? We've got our physiology, we've got our emotions, mm-hmm. we've got the, the mental component, the yeah. thinking, our story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then we've got our actions that we do. Yeah. And then we've got the spirituality. Okay. So those need to be whatever they look like for each individual to be whole. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And for a system for behavior change to work, all of those need to line up. Now, yeah. different people need different layers of support. Okay. Okay, so I might be able to give you a game plan. You come to me and go, I want this behavior change. Yeah. Yeah, and behavior change is X. Yeah. Yeah, I want to lose weight, I want to put a bit more muscle on, I want to get a bit healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can give you the game plan. That might be enough support. You might go away and implement the nutrition. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right for you. you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And you might start training. And yeah. that might be enough catalyst because you're already in that mindset to be open for this. Yeah, okay. But what you'll find is your story will change. Yeah. And so when you're looking at an individual and you're going through this sort of process, obviously this is, uh, for so many people, you've got to connect, you've got to connect with this to begin with. Yeah. You've got to be able to um, uh, be vulnerable enough, like you've just said. Yeah. Uh, what process do you go through to, to say, okay, what, this is what we need to do with, with, with yourself? Okay, so that's a, a really good question. Mm. Okay, particularly if, if anyone's listening from the fitness and strength and conditioning side and they're like, hey, I can see some of this, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a huge believer that 95% of people that come to us won't make a lasting change for the rest of their life. True. 95% will. There's a reason why a lot of people do a 12-week challenge. Yeah, because you can under-eat, you can overtrain, and you can push through that short period of time. Um, in that, we can tick some boxes. Mm. But because there's not enough behavior change, there's not enough healing the trauma of the past, that feeling of worthiness, then it won't stick. And we can give them quite a strict regime that's outside of what's possible for the average person to maintain long term outside of that. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people in the fitness industry are really clicking into a lot more of that. In this fitness industry, we're actually in the field of psychology. Yeah. And we're just working on physical KPIs as our, as our end game. So behavior change is a psychological change. Mm-hmm. And it's changing someone's habits. And our habits live in the subconscious. Yes. And we feel them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's trying to create that change. Now, some people, you can get them to do some affirmations. Okay. Why am I worthy? Why am I this? You yeah. Know, why is being healthy enough? Yeah. That, that might be enough to be a catalyst. Yeah. 
but the main part is is the person if we're working on behavior change they have to be open to behavior change okay yeah so if jimmy turns up at the gym and jimmy i'm just using gym yeah that's the area that i come from yeah yeah do you know what i mean turns up at the gym and wants to get leaner mm-hmm. we find out he wants to get leaner because he's got low self-esteem his confidence is low yeah if jimmy isn't open to coaching we can't coach him yeah so be coachable you've got to be coachable is, is number one is number one yeah um leaders have to lead yeah um being able to process why people don't have that level of self-confidence yeah there's an emotional blockage mm-hmm. yeah so we have to be able to lead by vulnerability and you've done a bit of work with me you would have known that yeah. we the first time i've shared my story yeah in the workshop the other day when we went into a certain part of work that we we're going to do I, I lead first i create this space by sharing my story yeah because i'm opening up that level of vulnerability yeah and creating that safe space for that person then to to open up yeah and that was really great i really enjoyed that about your workshop in there um, is you know straight away it's like okay this is what we're going to be doing but i'm going to tell you about myself first i, I want that space um it's framing uh, and framing and priming us to be able to get the best out of of what you want to deliver that, that yeah that day that day and um i really enjoyed that because i had some incredible experiences through that with the, the, the holotropic breath work that we did um i was already having back of my mind I was aware of a couple of issues that with my with my family back at home i was missing them over christmas and it really brought it into, into service into surface sorry and i think that the second part where you discussed about um, releasing those emotions or, or, or you know being able to bring those to surface how does the breath do that do you, do you, or how does breath work do that or, or, or so this is my understanding of this component at the moment yeah okay so when we're doing the breath work we're tapping into the parasympathetic yeah okay yeah yeah okay and our parasympathetic lives our memory yeah it's the subconscious yeah intuition creativity rest and digest let go of fear yeah okay yeah Yeah. i think whatever comes up comes up Mm. i think we can frame it a little bit by setting intention before Mm -hmm. yeah but a lot of it is just um i can't remember the author's name and i might get the book wrong which is a little bit bad because i love it and i've only haven't finished it that long (laughs) so for me to not be able to reference the book like this i think it's called tinker taylor dabble try okay i think i've heard of that yeah and it talks about the concept of we have to let go Mm. we have to disconnect we have to have unstructured disconnection and Mm. it goes through and talks about how nearly every amazing breakthrough came from a dream a sleep someone drinking a bottle of wine mm. and, pub, oh, and that thought comes up. Mm. So I think when we use the breath work, what we're doing is we're giving that opportunity for all this stuff to flow across. Yeah, we're trying to tap into the left part of the brain, which yeah. is a lot more parasympathetic. Yeah. The right part, yeah, so the right part is sympathetic, thinking, logic, analytical. Yeah, and we're shifting to the left. Yeah, and because we just think all the time, and no one likes to feel. No one likes to feel today. Yeah. Sorry, take that back. Very few people like to feel. Yeah. Yeah. We're the most over medicated, drug addicted, fattest, TV watching, yeah. in debt, compulsive spending, yeah. society of hu- group of humans ever. Yeah. And they are just distractions from feelings. Wow. So we are always numbing so much so often. 
Yeah. So when we get into that breath work, this is my understanding as I come to know it at the moment, and yep. my depth of breath work is we're talking, we are barely scratching the surface. Of course. And I understand that. Yep. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I just want to make sure that I'm not trying to cross as a leader. No, no, no. I'm not no. by any means whatsoever. Um, where I think the power of the breath work is for a lot of people, particularly for guys, so like, as you know, like I really specialize in working with guys, yeah. um, particularly men. So my major drive, my why, Mm-hmm. Yeah, is to try to increase the well-being of future generations by creating better men, by yeah. getting men through connection. It's so awesome. Yeah, so we want to improve health through connection. Yeah, that trapped emotion leads to disconnection at home, all sorts of stuff. You know, like a, we talked about how it can physically manifest itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, from behaviors, disconnection, sicknesses. So for a lot of people. Breath work is just a powerful tool, in a way, to be able to access that physiology yeah. to then allow whatever needs to be processed to come up, and it creates a space for that processing by bringing, you know, awareness mm. by tapping into the subconscious. Yeah, it was um the little the part about letting go and kind of accepting it was was really big when I was going through the process. I I have discussed this on a previous podcast. They could have reflected a little bit on the experience that you you actually uh, helped me. Uh, derive essentially and um whilst i was doing the breath work obviously the body's shaking your your hand starts clenching my my, my uh, lips started clenching as well i could almost feel i was blocking myself when i was doing it and when i told myself to let go just continue to focus on the breath then coming back to the presence of focus on the breath allowed those memories to flood and the emotions to come out and it was like the physiology had changed after that and it's it, the energy had moved from the gut to the lips um, back into the heart again and when it went into the heart it was like it was actually just pure love it's, it's, it's so the, when we do our breath work in that particular type of way we do get a gaseous change in the body and it can lead to something called tetanine we get some shaking and some, some movements and stuff going on now a lot of us want to control that mm. that's what is I wanted that, to do yeah is that fear of feeling yeah. so we start to control it yeah we play with our hands we move our hands and when we let them accept the feeling and, and not control them, it can quite easily move to other places. Yeah, that's just our body showing in a way that we're still not ready to accept feeling. Yeah, okay. To a degree. Yeah. In some format, do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's once we start to just sort of process through some of that stuff. So that's where the power of breath work comes in. Yeah, okay. It's quite a, sim- we don't have to go that long, but it's just a simple tool to create a hormonal chemical non-reactive way to give us a window into processing some stuff and also for a lot of us to connect with maybe what's there Mm. yeah i mean it's open it's really opened up a lot to me i've been having some uh, a few conversations with my dad because my dad's actually been listening into these podcasts and he's like he's uh you know he's (laughs) he's been um i guess uh, straighten out, straighten out my truth with his truth because we haven't really spoke about what happened when we when I, when we were younger and stuff like that. And he's got his story, and I've got my story, and it just turns out my story is completely well wrong in his eyes because it's 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 all I know is what I know as a child of what I observed and what I witnessed. And whereas he's like, no, that, that's not what happened. And it's like yeah. all of a sudden, you... his story is wrong as well if you take it from that perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we both love sport. Yeah, you know, and. We, we can, we, we can other than the all-black England game at the Rugby World Cup, which I think both newspapers would say the same thing. But normally, if you just look at um, sports reporter reporting on the 
Side, yeah. I'd had a narrow loss to the Waratahs, you know, and the New Zealand papers are the mistakes, root opportunities, mm. yeah. and then the you know New South Wales writer is brilliant play. They didn't give me opportunity. It's just that we can see different things. Yeah. And what we think is real is isn't real. That's one of the things that I want to create that possibility for someone. Is that possibility is that everything that they know about themselves is wrong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that we're driven from our physiology and this tracked emotion, and because of our tracked emotion and that physiology and that link there, then our feelings and our thoughts are driving from that. Mm. And that's who we think we are. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, but if we have that opportunity that what we know about ourselves isn't right, and we can allow that to open up, that's how I like to see it. Now, if we look at stress per se, yep. Okay, and we're sort of off topic a little bit but it's not it's directly tied in yeah of course it is yeah the world's completely overstressed Mm -hmm. so a stressor is just anything the human body needs to make a a reaction to yeah sunlight food that you don't relate well with any food full stop alcohol exercise you know um, you know bugs bacteria you know carbon monoxide Mm -hmm. yeah so we've got stress is just something your body needs to interact with yeah, so it doesn't matter if it's exercise, doesn't matter if it's having an argument with your dad, having an issue with your partner, mm. yeah, um, eating low nutrient food, yeah, do you know what I mean? These are just all stresses. Now, for a lot of years, I used to perceive stress needed to be one large bigger thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, but we have a system called physiological load. Yeah. And if we just make it simple, I'll just make it into three little buckets. Yeah. Okay, so we've got musculoskeletal, chemical, and emotional. Mm. Okay, we can split that into six and we can just keep going. Okay, let's look at these three buckets. Now, if I pour small amounts of stress into the emotional bucket, okay. work deadline, little kid sick, yeah, financial, financial issues, stress, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we sort of throw that in there. We've already got a little bit of I'm not worthy enough, yeah. Yeah, whatever sort of stuff is, is, is going on with those. So that's starting to fill that up. And then all of a sudden, we sort of, our coping strategy to make that feeling go away, yeah, so we can, yeah, yeah is now chili food and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> is these buckets are filling up. These mm. buckets are interconnected. Yeah, so now that's going to present in, in a musculoskeletal way. Okay, so some people, when they sit back and think, well, life isn't that bad but they sit in the desk, they've got financial stress, they're always looking on Instagram to see who looks great. Mm. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Not knowing how that photo might have come about. And, you know, we all know that we filter our lives and those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when all these add up, they look back and go, my life's not that bad. Yeah, but that is enough when we add up all those small one percenters to create a stress response. Mm. Yeah, so now we have elevated stress then that elevated stress changes our physiology mm-hmm. yeah we're going to get more muscle tension you know get more muscle tension increased blood pressure we get higher blood sugar levels yeah yeah so for a lot of people we're, when we're starting to look at some of the stuff stress is a major part yeah we want to always understand what is driving that for a lot of people yeah okay yeah. Is it the bigger events and track trauma? Yeah. Or sometimes is it just the smaller physiological load components at, at 
Yeah. And how uh, I'm currently just uh, finishing off a bit of an ebook on 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 the physiological um, uh, issues with, with chronic stress and these small little yeah. kind of uh, stresses that we have that we don't really think about. They're all just like you're yeah. saying, they're filling that they're filling that bucket. Um, where would you say to start with the smaller little stresses? Now, not the trauma ones. We've already talked a little bit yeah. about those and what we need to do with those sort of things. And that's not it's a very uh, psychologist sort of thing to do. Yeah, Small it's little, outside, it's outside, our outside of our, uh, yeah, our realm a little bit. Small little stresses. How would yeah. you go about? Um, What's a small little stress? Well, uh, I guess it's those. It's the small little stresses that are going to be making sure you, you know, if you've got if you've got kids, are, are they being are they ready for school in the morning? Are you on time for work? All that sort of all those uh, all those little things that can just be in the back of our minds that we've just got to rush around for. How would you go about helping an individual manage that sort of stuff? So first of all, we have to have a look. Is stress bad? Not not particularly. No, if no. stress is. So when does stress become bad? When um, stress becomes bad for me, when uh, it causes too much chaos, when, it, when we have too much of it, yeah, yeah. So stress isn't bad; it drives us on. It's yeah. a life survival mechanism. It's there for a reason. It's really important. It's why we've evolved. Yeah, hundred percent. So stress isn't bad, but staying stressed for prolonged periods of time hmm so for most people it's not sometimes it's not always the stress some things we can control and some things we we can't control but what we can control is creating sorry <laughs> a small amount of time somewhere where we can decrease stress okay yeah so i think that's one strategy yeah now everyone so everyone will find their de-stressing mechanisms in different ways mm, okay. yeah but I like to have a look at what de-stressing mechanism am I going to use and if we look at Anthony Robbins. So Anthony Robbins talks about um, classes of actions and I might have the terminology wrong. Yeah. So yeah. a class for action. Uh, same thing, I might have the number wrong, I might have the terminology wrong, so you know, I understand the concept very well. So a class for action is good for me, it feels good, mm-hmm. it's good for others and it serves the greater good. Yeah, I love yeah? that. Okay, so some people when they put in their stress their stress mitigating system mine was drugs yeah okay Okay. did it feel good yep yeah was it good for me no no was it good for others no did it serve the greater good no yeah so what happens with a lot of people is they put some things in place so they might eat chocolate at night Mm. does it feel good yes Mm. is it good for them Maybe it's a one-off, but if they're getting, you know, it's affecting your self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Is it good for others? Do you know what I mean? Does it serve the greater good? Mm. You know, so we want to make sure that the system that we put in place yeah. is giving us what we want. That's quite powerful. It's like you have a table, you've got four legs. It's making sure that you have all those four legs so you can stay stable rather yes. than just having the one where it's going to fall down. Yes. That's, uh, no, that's pretty good. Yeah, so, and, and that's where a lot of people... So they come into, they want to decrease their stress. Currently what they're doing is drinking wine every night. Mm. Thinking it's relaxing. Yeah. Well, it might be in that moment. Mm. Okay. Because every habit has a light and a dark side. So if I'm feeling shit all day and I'm super stressed and I come home and have a bottle of wine with, with my partner and it's a way that we can decrease that stress and become intimate. Yeah. And we can connect on that level, what we really, really need. Mm. But I think that my 
alcohol consumption is a bit much and it's hindering now my food choices after that and it's affecting my weight and now there's a possibility that might affect my health, I want to cut back my alcohol. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 And I just pour the alcohol out. Yeah. What, what now haven't I got? The, I haven't the, got the light side. Yeah, the pleasure of that alcohol. Yes, and the connection and the such and such. So now we have to find ways to bring that in. Mm. So for most people, what we need to be able to do is to decrease stress. So as stress builds up, is to come down. So we want to be able to find some stress reduction. Now, for some people, going for a walk. Yeah, okay. Simple as that. Creating some me time. Yeah. Yeah, reading. Yeah, if you hate reading, I'll get you to read. Is it going to work? No. No. Some women would love to read a book and have a cup of tea in a bar. Mm. Yep. Some guys would think they'd be the worst thing ever. Yep. None of them are good and none of them are bad. Mm. It's just what might work for you. Yep. Breath work works quite well for me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Meditation didn't because I couldn't get out of my mind because of my level of physiology in my body, but that was me at that time. Do you know what I mean? But I love walking in nature. Yeah. So it's trying to find what sort of thing. So we know that what brings us back down from stress quite often is connection with loved ones. Mm. That's nearly number one. (laughs) Okay. So to connect connect with loved ones. Yeah. Breath work is really powerful. Getting out into nature is really powerful. But some other ways that we can look at this also as well is to decrease um, some of the smaller exposures. Yeah. Okay. Eat better quality food that fits your physiology. Yeah. Yeah, so not one diet fits all people. Of course. Yeah, so some people are eating, they might be eating healthy food, but it still might be good for their physiology. Okay. Removing some of the toxic load where you can control it. Mm. Yeah, so toxic load is one is a big driver of inflammation. And as we know, inflammation directly relates to stress. We get the high levels of um, cytokines released when we get an inflammation response, and that's going to drive a stress response. Yeah. It's going to go straight to that. So keeping inflammation low. So toxic load can be quite a big thing. Okay. Chemicals on your food to the chemicals in your house to the skincare products. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and some of this is quite controllable. So one off, do these things matter? No, but when we start getting a hundred of them. Over twenty years. They start they start they start to add up. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Make that time for yourself to go for that walk with your feet in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. Do some breath work. You know what I mean? Whatever's best for you, you know, decrease the load you know the toxic load in the house you know get your food a little bit more right for your physiology yeah Yeah. have a bit of play it's finding what strategies sort of work for someone yeah that's really powerful i like the fact that um you have to go away and you've got to look internally yourself uh people could go what's the answer me asking you what's the answer is like well no i don't want to give the answer because there isn't every individual has their own answer and they've got to go and find out what works for them they've got to put that into position and then they've got to form that as a habit and and that's that's a way to manage manage that sort of uh, thing yeah yes yeah and um, you mentioned about kids getting ready i've got a little two-year-old and i have no answer no no (laughs) just you just just go with the flow yeah nice little segue there how how, what's your so just your uh, two-year-old kid um obviously you've had two years now of being a father how was that how has the experience gone from uh well not being a father to now being a being a father what 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 mindset changes that had on you cool so do you want the the true real long story or just a quick brush over mate look we're here to chat so go for the truth go for it okay so i was very early on in 
couple of years out of into being clean. Yeah. So when the whole pregnancy thing came up, mm-hmm. it was obviously I knew what I'd been doing. Yeah. So I wasn't completely shocked. Yeah. Yeah. There was always that possibility. Yeah. That a child could come along, but I didn't realise how. Like I went quite dark initially at the start. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, wasn't ready for it. Wasn't in position. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. All the stuff that I'd wanted to work on, I hadn't. Yeah. So now I've got to try to be a role model and all the stuff came yeah. up. Yeah. So that, that was a, an interesting eye opener at that stage. But over the last few years with, with work, so I'm a very disconnected individual. Mm. You know what I mean? And, you know, my partner, Whitney, is probably the most amazing person ever. She's sort of held that space for me to, you know, to grow into that and, you know, sort of showed me and sort of. You know, inspired me to want to become a better man. And yeah. I'm sure in her eyes I could still do better, but yeah. I've come a long way. Good. Um, because my whole thing has been being removed. Mm. You know, it's about to open my heart to that possibility of love and the possibility of love to be something that's a bonus, not something that's just going to set me up for a lot of pain. Mm. And to be able to connect and to be able to be a little bit more softer and lenient because I'm quite black and white strict. Yeah. yeah so things all line up particular ways and a few things like that. So the whole parenting thing was something that I thought because I'm 48. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 46 when she was born. That's my first child. Mm. So I actually thought maybe I might have missed the opportunity to experience the, the growth that becoming a father yeah. would be. Um, so I'm really blessed that I've got that opportunity. Good. And Charlotte's 50% me, so I've got my work cut out for me. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the growth the growth is amazing yeah and sort of trying to for me it's been yeah, yeah really really beneficial and trying to connect um as we know with a lot of things in life passion drives success and knowing your why mm-hmm. yeah having that purpose yeah having a purpose that's greater than self yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Huge, huge difference. If it's not about you anymore, it's about something that's bigger. Yeah. Um, and I hear, and the reason I ask because I hear so much about people who you know struggle with purpose in life, and then they have a child, and all of a sudden it's just like boom, yeah. it changes. It's no longer about me. It's about you know this, this little person who's who I've created, who's fifty percent of me and fifty percent of the woman I love, yeah. and all of a sudden you're like. You see their rapid growth in their in their business in their life because of this shift in mindset. So I just wanted to see whether that that similar thing yeah, had happened so to you. Th- that, that's hundred percent. So this year is going to be a big year for me. Yeah. Um, a lot of that has come around from really connecting to what my purpose is. Cool. Yeah, cool. and that's you know a way to get you know to increase. The well-being and, and the human flourishing by affecting the future generations mm-hmm. by creating better fathers. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm moving into specialising only with men. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually thought about doing that myself, to be honest with you, because I connect with men so much easier because I went to an all-boys school. I've always been around mas- masculine energy. It's like, as soon as I get to talking to women, it's like, am I doing this right? I double-think myself. It's because I just don't know. But um, what does 2020 look like to you? Uh, business-wise? Yeah, well, you said it's going to be a big It's going to be a big year. We'll, we'll go down business because I want you to talk about what you do. Uh, obviously, we've already gone through some of the methods and stuff, but move coaching... 
what's that look like for 2020 and 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 the vision yeah so the the vision for so moved is transitioning out of the standard strength conditioning health and fitness model mm-hmm. and it's moving in a lot more to um, holistic health coaching okay and when i'm talking about holistic health coaching i'm talking about getting men to re- reconnect to be able to accept the possibility that there's a powerful lesson in vulnerability that's going to improve every aspect of their life yeah mm-hmm. um, offsetting illness to creating more intuition problem solving you know um, driving their business driving all, all their relationships yeah and when they can connect with self and free up some of this energy mm-hmm. yeah, then that's going to create that space for them to become better loving partners better loving parents yeah and then that's going to affect the, the further down yeah. generations so uh, that, that's where the business is going this year. Yeah, I think we really need that in the society we're in at the moment. You know, if you look at the leadership that we've got in the world at the moment and look at the masculine role models that are out there, it's a bit of a struggle for some people to go, okay, what's it? And with all the toxic masculinity, the Me Too movement, all that stuff, it's like, what does it mean to be a man? I think there has been a massive shift in the mindset. So no, I can, I'm going to acknowledge you for, for that and having that yeah. vision. Um, what I want to know is, uh, obviously it's come from, it's derived from self, uh, like, yeah. like it always is. It always, we always look within and go, okay, I've gone on this journey myself. Now I want to contribute that back. Yeah. Um, what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to you to be a man? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so for one, it's just a, for general people, it's just been able to connect to self okay yeah so i think that's quite important to, to be able to feel mm-hmm. yeah and to be able to feel in a safe and controlled way yeah yeah and to um create you know inspiration validation and and strength and support yeah i love that so yeah that, that's pretty much what it means to for me to to, to be a man yeah so I'm a big believer. Um, everything that I ever talk about, anything that's come up today, none of this is new. I haven't invented mm. any of this. This is no new system. This is all stuff that I've learned, and you've done some stuff with me before. And I've said it a couple of times. Even, even when I present, I always reference all these concepts, even though sometimes I can't remember exactly <laughs> what, what from 10 or 15 years ago it came from. Um, but one of the things that um, I'm really big in is we do have a masculine and a feminine energy. Yeah. Yeah. And having that in harmony and balanced for the individual is really important. Mm. Yeah. And I believe there's an over-masculization mm. in men and in general. In, in yeah, okay. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's about just reconnecting to that. So yeah. the, and each energy has a positive and a negative. Yeah. So the positive of being masculine energy, yeah, we've got is the Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the um, negative of the masculine energy is the Joker. Yeah. Controlling, deceitful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we want to make sure that these we're that we're creating a positive masculine energy. Mm. Yeah. But that man doesn't have the feminine energy they can't self-love they can't nurture they don't have creativity inspiration yeah then what what sort of father can you be if you're not inspiring loving nurturing creative do you know what i mean so a lot of people have to get back in touch with feeling yeah yeah 
Yeah. And if if you told me this sort of stuff, go back and probably three years ago, I'd been what what are you on about? But with reading the likes of Carl Jung and uh, even listening to Jordan Peterson, it all makes sense. It's 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 a perspective of energy and and the derivative of of your actions that creates this positive and negative that then offsets back into the mindset from your as your perspective um so i can really i can now i can really appreciate it and that's why i love uh looking at your content and coming to your workshops because i understand the language i understand what you're trying to trying to show and i definitely do agree that there's been an over masculine masculine whatever the word masculinization is probably not a word but uh, masculinity is uh, dominated um, and I think the the feminists actually don't realize that they've become very masculine in, in, their, in their energy and uh, that's actually it's it's, it's uh, for me it's a bit of a, a thing that I chuckle at it's like you, you, you're you battling against men feminists might be battling against men but they've become very masculine in their way and it's like okay no, it's got to be like this it's got to be order it's got to be controlling and they've, they've fell into that negative side of masculinity as a as a female which is just an observation that I've, I've yeah. made. So look, I'm 48, so I'm clever enough to realise through some wisdom of the years to say um, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> That's just an observation that, I, that yeah. I've seen myself. But the, the world is, uh, is, is over-masculinised. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, we could spend another hour going all into that, but, you know, what people hold to, to be really important. Hmm. Yeah, you, you see it all the time, you know. The, the, each individual can do what they want, and, and I don't want anyone to take any offence to any of these things, but if you look at countries like America, they get, like, what is it, 12 weeks maternity leave. Yeah, okay. That's not a lot. Yeah. At <laughs> all, 12, 12 weeks you know, maternity. You know, where you look at other tribes, do you know what I mean? Like the the baby will stay with the mother or hanging, you know, connected for, yeah. for a couple of years. You know, a lot of nomadic tribes and that sort of honour the time that when the woman is menstruating is a time where they go in and do their inner work. Yeah. Yep. Here we're sort of like toughen up. You know, we, you know, you know, women would you know for years were too weak to be you know to be in the army because of the stuff. But mm. we weren't nurturing and accepting that there is a powerful energy in that. One energy isn't better or not. It's no. Having that correct balance of energy. Yeah. And we try to, you know put one down on that. That's where you see a lot more of this stuff sort of coming up now. You know, a lot more people getting, you know, getting in touch because yeah. the room is moving further and further away. Yeah. I think it's, it goes back to, you know, we had the silent era a era, uh, hundred years ago, then we had the war era where people were, in, didn't, they were just told what to do and then they had the era after that where they had no emotions because the people before didn't express their emotions to the point where we've got the millennials like myself who um, are probably falling a bit more in touch with being a bit more empathetic because they're realising actually, you know, we, 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 there's, we need to have an understanding of our feelings. And so that's a huge shift that changes in gender generation. Um, any predictions to where do you reckon it's going to go? No. 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 Um, I think. Do you mean the movement itself? The movement and the the, the whole the whole shift of the mindset. I, I mean, I look at our. I guess you got to look at the younger generation, and looking at the younger generation, I would say that they've actually they have less chance to feel those emotions because of the addictions to the technology, the, the movement into, uh, again, living a world that's not real. And for me, my why or one of my purposes is, is to reconnect people with who they truly are 
in the future. So in 10 years' time, I see that we're going to have a lot of artificial intelligence, robots, technology. I want to have somewhere where people can come away and reconnect with who, what it means to be a human. Yeah. Well, how, how does that... For me, do you see that, that future and how does that impact? What, is that a part of the reason why you're doing what you're doing? So, yes, I've always been a little bit more old school, so I just believe that humans are designed to connect with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're a part of the earth and nature. Mm. So getting your feet dirty, mm. growing your own food, <laughs> con- connecting with people, all, all that sort of stuff is really important. I just think as time goes on more and more, one of the things I think we're going to see a lot is we're so disconnected and we're not feeling, extremism is going to come a lot more up. Yeah, okay. And we're starting to see it now. Yeah. And we just look at the food movement changes. Mm. Yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. am vegan. I am this. Yeah. I think extreme, extreme, extremism is going to increase more and more. Yeah. We're going to see a lot more of it. And I think we've already seen an explosion of it in the last 10 to 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, of people connecting to a lot more extreme outcomes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. As just another way of distraction and not feeling. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah. so I think the you know, say the feminist movement will go that way, that will come more extreme. Mm-hmm. But I just think as in general, a lot more people are because we're so disconnected, mm-hmm. we're disconnected to feeling, yet we still have a desire to to connect. So mm. this extremism is going to come up a lot more. Because you still want to feel a part of something. Even though you can't feel what you're truly feeling, you want to be, a, like, humans need to be a part of a tribe, group identity. Yes. Because if you just fit within that group, you have the same morals, the beliefs, the values, and you can just feel comfortable in that position yeah. rather than being an individual and going, actually, no, what do I truly believe in myself and what do I want for yeah. myself and best for the future? Yeah. So I think we're going to see the, the rise of extremism. Well, people being a lot more connected to one thing and stand for it a lot more. And that's going to come at a sacrifice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's polarization, right? Because you've, then you've got the two sides. And the more technology advances, the more people have, the, the and rightly so, have the freedom to, to speak about these sort of things and have their beliefs as long as it's not derived. It was the intention. Is the intention behind it. Now, I have nothing against people being extreme in terms of beliefs of veganism or anything like that. Um, as long as the intention is for that, it's not because of the polarization of another side. Yeah. That's when it becomes about power and it becomes about, uh, you know, it becomes damaging, it becomes about corruption. It's like, actually, I'm just going to have an opposing view just because you have a view. Yeah, yeah. But I think we're, yeah, so we're just going to see a lot of. That's what I think we're going to see moving forward. Yeah. A lot more people passionately connecting to movements and things. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Um, we've actually been chatting for like an hour now. So um, it, there is a couple of questions that okay. I like to ask on this podcast. Performance through health is the name. Okay. Um, the first one would be, um, what do you believe you need to be doing to take your levels of performance to the next steps? So, um, I always answer every question with this, it depends. Okay. Okay, so it, it depends. I think we have to just honour the basics for most people. Yeah. Okay, that, that, that's definitely number one. Mm-hmm. You need to be eating right for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I obviously have quite strong beliefs. I run down the ancestral health path, yeah, okay. um, diet path, mm-hmm. yeah, that, you know, 
Where did you learn? Where, where did you learn that sort of information? What, so through Paul Check. Okay. Um, from Paul Check, he put me on books, you know, like the metabolic typing diet from Wilcott, um, into nourishing conditions from Sally Flew. Um, you look at Wednesday Day Price. His uh, his book is Nutritional and Physical Degeneration. Yeah. Um, Ten thousand years from Eden, etc. So it's just that sort of study going down that and, and looking into that and having an understanding that. Um, so Western A. Price wrote a book called Nutritional and Physical Degeneration and he wrote it, it's an amazing time. If you haven't read it, I really recommend reading it. Now what he's done is gone around to 16 different indigenous cultures in the early 1900s okay. where he could find people that were living the standard modernized diet and people who were still, who were still living in a tribal traditional means. Mm. Yeah? And they had cameras. So he could find people that lived traditionally and over here, for a couple of generations, people have been living modern. And he looked at different health markers. Yeah, okay. structures in the jaw, the amount of fillings and decay and stuff that they got. Yeah. And what he found is traditional people who ate their traditional diets mm-hmm. flourished. Yeah. People yeah. who didn't eat that or ate the standard American diet and ate it inside and under lights and a few other things yeah. didn't flourish. Yeah, okay. So to perform well, we need to connect. Yeah. Yeah, we need to connect to the earth and we need to connect to our food. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a major driver for most people. Yeah, massively. Yeah, because very few people out there are connecting to food. Mm. I like the idea of that study as well because you're going back to uh, you know, tribes that uh, probably haven't shifted too much over the last. 50 years versus tribes that have massively changed now. Yeah, so in the 16 groups, some of them are like the New Zealand Maoris, yeah. some Polynesians, um, there's um, um, in, um, coastal Aboriginals, mm-hmm. um, there's some inland Aboriginals, um, there's some Indians from North America, some people from Peru, there's Inuit Eskimos, mm. uh, there's the Scots, you know, there's some Mediterraneans, yeah. I mean? so it's just a wide variety. Yeah. So yeah. what he found is there were 16 different diets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And to look at that as longitudinal data, it's uh, it's much better than being able to look at Western society longitudinal data. Be, be in the fact that you can go there, look at the tribe, and go, okay, what's the food sources around them? That's what they can be consuming. Yeah. Whereas in the Western society, you've got things that are imported everywhere. No, people are not conscious. They can't remember what they've eaten last week because they just made a decision just there and then to just go and eat. So how can you look at long term data in the West? You can't. Because people can't recall what they were eating last week. But if you go back to these tribes and you look at what they're... It's just around them because they're still hunting and gathering, right? Yeah. So that's... The, that's to give some valid, validity yeah. to what you're saying there as a, as a scientist, I actually really appreciate that. Yeah. that's good. So the good. thing that I quite like about that, I'm about connection. Yeah. And you know, I think the loss of connection, particularly with self, is driving out. So I, I use um, Wilcott's metabolic typing questionnaire for a lot of my clients has got 65 questions in it most of them can't answer 20 of them <laughs> yeah if you happen to have a high carbohydrate meal before dinner do you sleep better or not i don't know it's amazing the lack of self-awareness if you had a really high fat and high protein meal do you get more energy or not yeah yeah people people don't know yeah yeah and for me that state changes it's not like um, you know, when I'm when I'm 105 kilos, I'll have that carbohydrate meal and I'll feel tired. But when I'm sat at 88 and 90, or I'll have that carbohydrate meal and I'm like, it doesn't affect me. So it's it's it. You have to be able to be bodily aware and self-aware of what you're consuming. I look at food as information. 
You, you, you're consuming something, it's going to tell your body something, it's going to tell your brain something. You need to be aware of what information that food's providing, not just pleasure, not just taste, but yes. how it's making you feel. We can go a little bit deeper again. Um, what does our body use for energy? Uh, well, phosphocreatine, ATP. Yeah. Adenosine. What, 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 where do we get most of our energy from? What system? Uh, fat, uh, fat, fat oxidation. Well, electron be, transport chain. Yeah, so yeah. Beta oxidation, yeah. Yeah, so we go through the electron transport chain. Yeah. The electrons. Yeah, yeah, energy, yeah. 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 So that's pretty much where a lot of stuff comes back from. Yeah, energy yeah. is just information. Yeah. So when we get our food, you know, we get the sun, it comes down, it goes into plants, plants turn, you know, carbon dioxide and water into sugars. Mm-hmm. We split the sugars, mm-hmm. yeah, and then off that we're getting some electrons released. You know what I mean? And all that, like a lot of our cells, all we're doing is we're reversing um, photosynthesis. Yeah, yeah. So we can break things down quite a lot. Yeah. Okay? But one of the main things is food is energy stamped. Mm-hmm. Where it's locally grown, mm-hmm. it's, it's energy stamped with the power of the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is an energy stamp in relation to where we come from. Yeah, there's food quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's soil quality. I think there's only like yeah. I think there's about six hundred crops of topsoil left in the modern method that we go. Really? Yeah. So we got to start to look at how we set the stuff up. Modern industrialized farming methods yeah. are going to kill us. Yeah. Yeah. And we keep going because once we have no topsoil, we're just hoping that technology will come along and leave mm. it like that moving or leaving soil and green or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, some sort of soy or plankton derivative green tablets to get out of it. Yeah. So food's critically important. And I think food is a critical component of how we see ourselves and how we value ourselves. Mm. So, what sort of diet do you eat then? What, 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 so, I don't like the word, the word diet. Because it's it makes people think it's something that you just do short term. What was your uh, nutritional behaviour look like? Okay, so the backbone to my nutritional behaviour, so the, the, the framework of which it, what's it's created off, mm. um, is predominantly I'm a higher fat, higher protein person. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and as much organically sourced stuff as possible. Yeah. So I eat a lot of vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, but if you look at the breakdown of what the macronutrients are, I'm more towards the higher fat, yeah. higher protein. It works really, really well for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so that, that, that's pretty, to make it simple, yeah. that's mine. Now, if we look at the spectrum, there are some people flourish on keto. Mm. Some people get punished. Mm. Some people flourish being vegan. Some people get punished. Mm. But once we can connect yeah, to what we do well, and I believe that there's three major types. Yeah, We've got equatorial types yeah, who have grown up around the equator. Okay. Where we yeah. come from. Yeah. Yeah. Normally have darker skin, but it's hard to tell today with the melting, the mixing pot that, yeah, 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 that we yeah, live in. Yeah. Um, they have excess, and they normally do a lot better on higher carbohydrates. Yeah, okay. Higher fiber, higher yeah. carbohydrates. White people, this is a pure generalization. Mm-hmm. Normally come from places that snow in winter, mm-hmm. so we're derived off eating more animals through that period of time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we can, yeah, you, you, you can't just look at your skin color and work that out. Yeah. That's quite what happens. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Then we've got the mixed types. So some people, that's a variance yeah. in between. So high protein, high fat, high carb, somewhere in between. Yeah. I do very well on high, high, high fat, high protein, lower carb. 
Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I um, Probably about five, 10 years ago, I first did the keto, ketogenic diet. And I used to think that carbs were evil, that carbs were the devil. I went through that phase of cutting carbs out completely um, and didn't really actually increase my fats that much. I just had so much protein, small amounts of fat, and I just went from uh, bulky to skinny. Lost, yeah. lost all, lost all my muscle, pretty much. But then I found myself being able to reintroduce the carbohydrates, um, and I was better tolerant of them. Most likely, insulin sensitivity. Hadn't had them for a while. Yeah. Your body can tolerate them better. Um, but then, my just recently, over the last twenty weeks, I've been trying to go more higher carbohydrate in in my diet. But I'm actually finding that I don't particularly like the 50-60%. I'm more of the 30-40% carbohydrate person, that moderate range. And that's what makes me feel my best. It makes me feel most energetic throughout the day, longer sustained periods, uh, not getting that up and down in terms of your energy. Come 3 o'clock in the afternoon, my eyes aren't aren't starting to burn at at the screen. So it takes a little bit of um, uh, playing around and documenting it and journaling or, or just writing down how you feel again looking within using it as information yes. rather than pleasure or a tool yeah so the major crux of my business that i'm after is long-term sustainable change awesome yeah and yeah. it's through self creating you know through behavior change mm-hmm. we're working on belief identity yeah okay if you change someone's belief in someone's identity everything else falls into place what I've just found is a lot of people have blockages in creating that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as soon as you identify as someone that's really healthy, yeah, your behaviors will fit into place. Yeah. So I I don't calorie count. Yeah. I don't teach calorie counting. Yeah. I think for long term behavior change for the model that I work in, it's just not the best effective tool. Because we eat for two reasons. Mm-hmm. What are they, do you think? Pleasure and, and satiety. Yeah. Nourishment. Yeah. Yeah. So Pleasure is at the, the center point of this, do you know what I mean? And for me, starting to attach numbers, macros, yeah, brings in a level of long, like hitting things, yeah. not hitting things. Yeah. yeah. You know, for a lot of people, guilt, shame, etc. Yeah. Does it work? But yeah, the easiest way to get someone to change shape is do macros. It's easy. Mm. Anyone can do it. I can give you a website to go to right now, or even tell you. You just got to put your information in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do you know yeah. what I mean? But it, being able to connect. Yeah, to connect to yourself and to connect to your food and make them goal honoring, and then they just sort of fall into place. Mm. You'll know if you eat three or four times a day. Mm. You know if you plate seventy percent vegetables and what type of vegetables you do well on and what type of meat you do well on. Mm. Yeah, so I do really well on the higher puree and higher fat meats. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'm much better on chicken thigh with the skin yeah. than I am with chicken breast. Yeah, okay. Really fatty Scotch fillets, etc., stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it is a lot better for me. Yeah. I thrive on that a lot better. But then in summer, sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's, the chicken it. breast salad might be completely different. Yeah. So our nutrition isn't set. It's yeah. not a one-off thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And for a lot of people, when we go into this, we might have some physiology to wind back. Mm. Yeah. They might have leaky gut. I don't know what the percentage of people, but I would say 70, 80% of people have leaky gut. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If you've got adult onset um, allergies, yeah. oh, I became lactose intolerant in my 20s. Oh, I never used to have hay fever, but now I've got a runny nose. Mm. There's most likely these are some of the warning signs mm. that there's leaky gut going on, caused some high level of stress as either a one-off event or an accumulation of factors. Yeah. If that leaky gut's going on, then digestion is out. 
yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. acids around. So sometimes we do have to go a little bit deeper in addressing some of the stuff to get someone to optimum. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, going back, uh, way back about the comment about psoriasis, the, the, when I realised it was due to the stress uh, with everything that happened at the time, there had been one period when just before I flew over to Australia where it started to come up and I was like, oh, I don't know what this is or whatever. But I realised that subconsciously I was a lot more stressed than I was consciously about the big, about the move. And then when I came here, it went because the sun was out and then it comes to the summer month, uh, the winter months and then a lot happened and all of a sudden it came up and I was like, what the hell is this sort of thing? The first thing that I knew that I had to do, and this is only because I had the knowledge, is that I had to look at my nutrition. I had to go, what can I do in this diet? What can I remove that's going to remove the stress in my diet? And the first thing I went to was the amount of sugar that I was consuming. I was eating a shitload of sugar and a shitload of processed foods. Yeah. Probably not compared to the general public that's out there, but for me and for my body, that's what's happened. As soon as I start to remove those things and looking into certain foods that could potentially cause psoriasis, so tomatoes, for example, I can't really eat tomatoes because uh, that I can't remember what it is, a number that causes in, in, inflammation in the skin. Remove those. I physically, the, look, the change of it didn't go, but physically I felt better. And that was the first step that I was able to take to better health. So. I think it's one of the most powerful. Yeah. Okay. So for me, sleep is, but for you, oh, nutrition. The, 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 this is all, 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 all interconnected. Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, so um, to me, sleep and stress are interconnected. Mm. 100% now. This yep. is a nervous system. Okay, cool. So stress drives our food choices. Mm. And so does our lack of sleep. Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Changes okay. the... When we're stressed... Cortisol goes up. Yeah. Insulin makes that go away. Yeah. Alcohol, shitty food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I'm going to self-medicate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for a lot of people, they turn up. We can see the stuff going on, but what's the underlying root cause to that stress? Because if I try to change their diet, it's it's not going to work mm. long term. No. Because that shitty diet is just a symptom of of of, of a cause. That's why you got to look at everything as a multifactorial approach. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking long term, long term change to increase health. Yeah. I love that. Uh, if there's anyone out there uh, who is looking to make long term change and not just these, buy these six week programs, these eight week programs, honestly reach out to Brandon because through this conversation we've already know, we've you know, we've learned a lot, but he's, he has a lot to give. Um, second question. So I'm not going to let you go with connection, and I'm not going to let you go with nutrition. What else, if you could change on a mass scale, what would you say to be people to be doing to improve their health? Okay, so on a general mass scale, yes, move more often. Yeah. Okay, we just need to move more often, more regularly. Okay, so a lot of studies came out maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe a little bit less, that sitting is the new... Smoking. Smoking, yeah. okay. Now, with the stuff that you said I'm not allowed to talk about, I'm going to obviously connect stress yeah. in, into that. Yeah. So just in general, okay, what I'm connecting here is movement. Okay, so how my lymphatic system removes toxins from my body. Mm -hmm. What does my lymphatic system require for, to move toxins? Blood flow. 
Yep. Which and from movement. Yep. And yep. we need movement. Yeah. So if I get bitten by a snake that people don't know, snake bites go through our lymphatic system. Yeah, okay. okay. So that's where the yeah. poisons go through the lymphatic. Yeah. Go through the blood system, goes through the lymphatic. And if I want to stop that poison moving, the cure, what we do in first aid for snakes is pressure immobilization. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so for years and years, for 60,000 years, we predominantly get bitten on the foot if mm-hmm. we're walking around. So if an Aboriginal, a lot of Aboriginals, you know, 50, 60,000 years ago, they would sit in the shade and bury their foot. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then doing that, that pressure, mm. yeah, held it still. And because you buried your foot, you can't move. Yeah. So really learned 50,000 years ago, pressure immobilization bandages. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just, just by doing stuff, like through connection. And, you yeah. Know, like, you know, it's, that's how powerful connection is. I won't yeah. go into the, the plight that certain, you know, races are going through. But if you come back to it, there's lack of connection. Mm-hmm. So for me to move toxins through my body. Yep. I need to be able to move, okay? Now, we've got some breath devices sitting here, okay? Now, I buffer a lot of toxins out of my breath, Mm. okay? For that to happen, my blood has to touch my lungs, Mm -hmm. okay? So my heart pumps blood out of my body and down, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay? How does it get back? You see, you actually have pumps within your, well, when you yeah. when you move, you, there's have, pumps that reverse, isn't there? We have one way valves. One way valves. That's it. That yeah. Require muscular yeah, yeah. compression. Yeah. That then will move the fluid, but because there's a one way valve system, it moves it, moves it back way. up. That's it. So now we need to move to get the waste blood back up. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So that is probably one of the largest things. Mm. Okay, and that is step one. Now we can decrease toxic load through movement. We can offset sitting for long periods of time so we can look after musculoskeletal changes, etc. When we walk, yeah, we communicate our left and right brain. And when we communicate our left and right brain and they get to communicate a lot more, we get more access to the left side of our brain mm-hmm. that's parasympathetic, mm-hmm. which we can allow creativity, flow, connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, we have to get outside and it changes our breathing. Mm. Okay, So that will probably be one of the largest things for most people to do. If you really want to accelerate movement, Play. Yeah, it's a great way to move, isn't it? Yeah, it really it just is. Ties everything in together. Now, I won't go into this into too much detail, but I have a small thing against the fitness industry. It's really big. Okay, I think what they teach as a generalized thing. I'm not talking about any individual people. That's not what I'm about. This is about a generalized thing. Yeah, of course, yeah. Count your calories. Go to the gym four to six times a week. Yeah. That's mm. too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's too removed from what life I believe should be. Yeah. Okay, just as a generalization. Do I, am I a strength and conditioning coach? Yes. Am I always going to teach strength and conditioning? Yes. Do I think it's a critical part? Yes. Yeah. No, I think if you get a bit stronger. Yep, cool. If you want to take that further, that's fine. But I think most people end up doing too much sometimes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I agree with that, definitely. Yeah. No, if you if we if you're coming from the perspective of people who are generally overstressed, yeah. um, which you no, know, they are, there's a lot of, and, and I don't necessarily think there's more stress. I think it's people's ability to or the perception of that stress and people's ability to tolerate that is has gone because of the lack of connection, the lack of oxytocin and the hormones in the body and all the chemicals in the body because we're static, because we're we're not connecting with each other, we're not connecting with ourselves. I completely agree with all that. So Going over that three times a week might be too much for someone who is 
CEO of a business with a family with uh, uh, you know having to look at their financial burdens they got they're trying to write books and do talks and and then all of a sudden you're trying to get this individual to go six seven you know time time times to gyms a week to be fit is that the right way to go yes. it's not is it um, so really appreciate that I love uh, the idea about movement I've just I've added more movement into my training now so now I actually go to the gym maybe three times a week and my I now do two door outdoor training sessions where I basically do all the animal movements you know like the animal yeah. flow yeah. stuff yeah. really enjoying that getting my feet on the soil going barefoot uh, get, yeah. getting out there doing sprinting as well I'm trying to go back to that uh, primal instinctive if I always have to escape from something out in nature what would that look like and feel like to me and going out and do those movements it's, it's fun yeah. it's yeah, enjoyable for, if you look at the average person so I'm 48 so the average 48 year old male in Australia we know um, only 10% of us get enough vegetables mm. 80% of us are overweight yeah very few of us get the correct amount of exercise or movement yeah so one of the best things to do for most people is just move yeah walk every five minutes every hour yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, so that, that's the stuff that I, you know, that I think will have the biggest impact. Is that going to lead to human flourishing? No. Yeah. Look, it, it's, yeah. there's too many things to change. But that was the, the question: is is just your opinion on what what one thing would you change? And movement has uh, has popped up a couple of times. But yeah. we've, we've uh, move, movement's really important from wiring the brain to connecting into the parasympathetic mm. to removing toxins from the body. Yeah. Um, like you said, you know, if you want to take it to the point where you're doing some animal flow on the grass, you, you're getting connection. Mm. We're not going to go all the way down, but our feet can absorb nutrients. Yeah, wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I never knew that. Your feet, what happens if you hop in a bath? What happens to your feet? Wrinkle up. They yeah. wrinkle up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So absorbing. Absorbing. Yeah, absorbing, yeah, yeah. Absorb nutrients. Yeah, yeah wow. Okay? And salt as well. Yeah. You know, so yeah, of course you have a magnesium has, bath and it yeah. soaks through your... And, and our sweat is salty. Yeah, it yeah. salts an increased conductor. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're barefoot on the earth, yeah, and we get a little bit of sweaty feet and we're there, we're absorbing nutrients from the earth, mm. our own pulvic and humic minerals, we're getting our own stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, but we're also connecting with the energy flows. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to yeah. start to throw in morning light and evening light in the way that red light can drive mitochondrial health, yeah. And how mitochondrial health pretty much comes back to one of the major drivers of illness. Yeah. There is so much into connecting earthing your feet with the movement in the soil. Like yeah, yeah. The biggest thing, if you want to change the quality of your life and you want to start with one thing, walk barefoot in the morning when the sun gets up. Oh, massive. That's your morning routine. Massive. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Awesome. Brendan, do you know what? It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show um, and just you know, just to chat and just to learn your ways. I really appreciate the work you're doing, really um, appreciate your vision and your mission. Uh, how can people get in touch if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, well, you can, they can go to my website. So that's moved, um, that's M-O-V-3-D, okay, dot com dot A-U. You can find me at Moved Coaching um, through Instagram and Moved Strength for Living um, on Facebook. Brilliant. Thank you very much and uh, appreciate you coming all the way up here. Oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some circular random thoughts and concepts. So, yeah, I appreciate that opportunity. I've, I've took a look from it. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate.